0: drew all right let's talk about psychedelics Psychedelic. <laughs> you wanted to go straight in with that didn't you? yeah straight in yeah all right um it's been a while psychedelics listen you you say it, it's been a while i fucking talk about psychedelics every day um <laughs> and and i think i bore a lot of people about psychedelics here he goes he's starting talking about um yeah, but no. Listen, I, yeah, we are about to talk about it, and we thought let's save it for the pod, and here we are. Psychedelics. I will talk about my journey. Um, uh, we have touched upon it on other episodes, and we also talked to, with Richard Turner when we um, when we did the original, uh, pod. Yeah, yeah we spoke a lot about
1: microdicing that Yeah, day, didn't we?
0: a lot has happened in those three years and I I know I've kind of briefly mentioned it but maybe there's a... I can tell you more about my journey and a deeper dive with it but um, i started with... I started microdosing when I was going through depression. Um, When was that? 2016? Yeah. And it... uh, Uh, it it definitely had uh, an impact Um, and I only saw it from a kind of science backed or you know a a narrative that was going round on how uh, psychedelics are now being used to treat PTSD, depression, anxiety and I was like oh I'll get on that I didn't think of it from any point of view, from like a spiritual point of view, you know what I mean. I, I was, I was purely like, well, this is doing good in certain bits of research. I knew people selling mushrooms. I'll try that, and I think it was a, a part of what got me through that period. Yep. But I was doing lots of things, so I can. I, I'm not going to say I'm pinning it all on that, but it definitely helped. And it really wasn't until the pandemic that um, things started opening up more for my, uh, you know, me and psychedelics. Yeah. And listen, a lot of people, you know, there's a psychedelic renaissance happening now. We're doing way more than we ever did in the 60s and 70s. Um, things are, uh, you know, people are using it. They're, they're not drinking as much anymore. People aren't taking as much cocaine anymore. Um, and... You know, a a younger generation are getting onto psychedelics and research has opened up. So there's definitely, you know, more of a narrative about how they're helping mental health and a bit more of an understanding. Even though, you know, tests are still ongoing, there's new people in spiritual communities and uh, indigenous communities that are still using plant medicines across the world to fix certain problems as it has been done for kind of thousands of years. Um, My journey with it was that, you know, I've struggled with alcohol and cocaine. uh, And I'll say that, you know, very openly, I have done um, for much of my career. Uh, And I even, I, I I remember watching a documentary like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I was living in Camden with a friend. And we had a like a five night bender we hadn't gone to sleep it was like you know that was, it was it was a real fucking heavy one and I remember that on the fifth day being in bed or the sixth day being in bed and like hanging out my ass like fuck like hating life I'd had the best five nights uh partying and and now I just hated myself and where I was and you know the the typical kind of ending to any kind of night out is that regret and I was in a deep dive of like (laughs) why do I do this to myself Um, and I remember watching a a documentary on DMT and Ayahuasca um, and it came up in that where I I, I thought I just got interested in it I, I, I thought whatever this is I think it could be the answer.
1: Yeah.
0: And I've read, you know, books by Terence McKenna. I, you know, heard Joe Rogan talk about it on his pod. Um, you know, Graham Hancock had done that amazing TED talk about it that got banned. Really should find that TED talk. It's fantastic. Um, but um, yeah, it was
1: 2013. That wasn't it.
0: Probably, yeah, uh, it could 20, be quite early, yeah. 2013, 2014. Um, yeah, it was a banned TED Talk, but it's still available. You can find it on YouTube. Um, and look, I just started getting so interested in DMT and, and then I thought ayahuasca could be the thing that helps me with my addiction. Uh, and then I went on this kind of this journey with my own mental health and 2005 end of 2015, things took a turn for the worst. And, you know, I was going through kind of suicidal depression, um, started microdosing that helped a lot. And I, I remember through 2016 thinking I need to go to the jungle. I need to, you know, spend some time with ayahuasca because I think that's going to end all problems. And for some reason, it never happened. you know I got on with my life and, and you know found improvements here and there um, and but it wasn't for me not keeping that curiosity up uh for just whatever reason I was just busy and I was traveling a lot doing other things. I just never made it to Peru or South America yep. now in the lockdowns. <laughs> Obviously, we were bored and we had nothing better to do. And I started growing mushrooms and eating mushrooms and uh, having the best time. Because if we couldn't leave our flats or houses, I would leave the universe. And um, it really, you know, I would take hero doses. And uh, from even though I had mushrooms over the years, I never really did it in the kind of ceremonial setting. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how many mushrooms I've munched in my time but certainly a lot of them were recreationally and the whole thing changes when you do it ceremonially when you treat them with the respect that they deserve and you know we talk about set and setting you know setting up the room and your bedding so you can lay down and go on this inner journey deep inside blindfolds on some music that can carry you through and you've got yourself a nice bowl of soup and some fresh fruit for when you've come out of the medicine and um you know you you're treating it in a completely different way than you know even with recreation recreationally quite often doing it on top of alcohol which is a you know a low frequency drug and you're taking these high frequency drugs and you know they're a completely different energy. Yeah. So while it may feel good at the time you're not getting that deep inner work happening. And you know, a lot of people talk about bad trips. People talk about, you know, going out one night and taking a load of mushrooms and having a bad trip. It's like, yeah, you're fucking going out to a fairground with a fucking, you know, <laughs> a bottle of vodka, a bottle of Glenn's vodka as well. And you know, you, you, you <laughs> say you're going to have a bad trip. Yeah, of course. But. What is a bad trip? Quite often, is that the fact is, when we're laying down, we're set and setting. We're faced with a lot of these things that we've been sweeping under the carpet, and they come back for us to, you know, figure out, make peace with, to you know, accept and move on. And so, so I don't, I don't believe that there is such thing as a bad trip. I just believe that we set and setting doesn't always uh, allow us to process certain bits of information that come up. Um, So making sure that we're we're ready for a ceremony. And, you know, if we've got someone that can sit for us, you can, you know, someone in another room or a shaman that can hold the space, space holder, someone, but someone that can help guide us in some way. Or if we get into deep trouble, someone that can hold our hand and tell us it's going to be all right. Now, I would... Um, you know, of, of strong enough mind, I believe, touch wood, uh, that I was able to take some hero doses during the, um, <laughs> during the first lockdown and uh, just have some amazing insights uh, and thoughts uh, about what was going on, what was going on with me personally, what was going on with the world and um, and i think it's worth saying that you, you know b- before um before the lockdowns before the pandemic i was in a an unusual place with you know, I'd, I'd kind of just stepped away from st leonard's in 2019 yeah. we were doing our pilot we would kind of put all our money into pilot light and all our um efforts into pilot light and then the world ended. S- kind of <laughs> ended <laughs> <strictly>. <laughs> So, you know, there was a lot going on and I hadn't really kind of made peace with where I was going or what was happening. It was just a, a, a strange transition before all that happened. So, you know, the psychedelics were, were helping me process everything that was going on. And like many other people during the lockdown, we just, it, you know, everyone was chatting on social media or, you know, kind of WhatsApp and talking about what was happening and... And I think it was a big part of why I was okay with lockdowns because I was just having the best time. I was yeah. actually, I've, I'd created time for myself to do these things. Um, however, when we got out of lockdown, uh, I got back into those kind of drinking habits again. And by the time we went into the second lockdown, I was just like, you know what, That's that was summer over, I've fucking just gone off the rails again. And that was part of my six months on, six months off thing. that I've, yeah. I, I know I've talked about before, where I, you know I don't drink during the winter, but come summer I go on a fucking six month bendo, and then uh, and then I go sober for winter. But that for me it was like, look, I need to break this, I need to break this habit now, once and for all. I wanted to. The cons had outweighed the pros long ago. You know, I didn't find any love in drinking. I just did it because I don't know, I, I loved partying or whatever it was. And then that was the gateway drug for cocaine, which I didn't go out without cocaine, you know? Every fucking night out was cocaine. So, I just... And by the way, I I think drinking alcohol is the most toxic of all drugs, okay? It's the one that we can push on other people without, you know, have a drink, go on, have a drink. You know, you wouldn't do that with fucking smack. You wouldn't wouldn't do that with any other drug. People are too tight to do that with other drugs. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's the one where if you're not drinking, people will give you a bit of a hard time for it. It's it's a a real bizarre thing. And yet it's the most destructive. It kills more people than any other drug, directly and indirectly. Okay. And while I'm not, I'm not here to fucking tell people to go sober. I couldn't care. Uh, There are people that manage their, uh, you know, um, their relationships with alcohol quite well, you know? So who am I to say you shouldn't drink? But how, at the moment I got sober, I, or reframed my relationship with it, my life improved significantly. Like, ridiculously. So... I needed to end this relationship. Uh, the second lockdown came along <laughs> and um, a friend of mine just texts me and she, and she said, I found a shaman serving medicine out in Essex. Okay. She said, yeah, it's ayahuasca. I was like, okay, are we going to do it? <laughs> She's like, yeah. So we went down there. We, you know, it's supposed to be locked down and we got in a car and met down there on this farm and uh it was a strange thing because like you know i didn't know these people um the farm was in the middle of nowhere in deepest essex and we would only just got there like you know for an hour it was a little bit of chat and then we were and it was only the two of us and the, and the shaman and we was in this little room uh and they blocked they blacked out the windows and there was a little altar that they'd set up with a bottle of brown liquid and some glasses. And we got some bedding and we you know, we laid down and they shut the door. And I, I'd always, I was also smoking a lot of DMT during the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I might yeah, add, add that. I've been smoking DMT for a while. Uh, and we can talk about that in a minute, what, what DMT is. But I'm, I'm talking really about my first ayahuasca experience at the moment. So I um I sat down on my bed waiting for the you know the shaman to pour the the juice and I went up and received my first glass and drank it and it was a full glass and his medicine I've since found out and, and uh, over my years of doing this now is that his medicine is very strong so a full glass of his medicine just fucking like knock me for six the lights went. he had a little candle on so he blew the candle out and that was it because the lights the windows were blacked out the door was blacked out like you couldn't see your hand in front of you all right we were in a pitch black room it was getting hot there was a lot of smoke because you had been using mapacho tobacco which is like a sacred tobacco for uh, you know blessing the medicine so there was this kind of like stifling smoke in the room not much fresh air and it was just starting to get very uncomfortable and then yeah. you know 40 minutes 30 minutes 40 minutes after ingesting the medicine it starts here here is shakapa i've got my shakapa in the corner it's like a um it's like a load of leaves some sacred leaves from the plant the shakrina yeah. plant and you tap away with them and he was going to sing ikaros. Icaros are the, the, the sacred songs that the medicine uh, expresses itself through song via the shaman. And uh, so the visions start popping through. And I can hear the shakapo in the background. <laughs> and he's warming up his voice, ready to start singing. And the visions, as they're coming through, I'm like, oh, I know these guys, all these entities, all these things because i've been smoking dmt for so long i'm like we're friends we know each other it's good i'm in a good place you know the thing about smoking dmt is it's it it takes about 10 minutes and then you're back you, you know you it, it, the on uh, when you have a, a about four or five puffs on a, a vape or a, a, a you know um what they called the little bongs um i can't think what they're called. Um, but it comes on the onset comes on very quickly all right it's it's you're not waiting within the th- the the third or fourth drag that you're just starting to see the whole room change and yeah. you, know, you know this kind of woo noise starts happening in your ears this ringing um and you know you're you're about to take off basically it doesn't happen when you ingest it. Um, when you ingest the medicine, it's different. It takes longer. It takes like thirty, forty minutes. So this build-up, this anticipation—like i um, you know, you, you, you're nervous but you're excited. Um, <laughs> I saw all these visions, all these entities, and Terence McKenna talks about these entities a lot. In, um, or he used to talk about them a lot, and they've been discussed by Joe Rogan. I know it's always about these little beings and these creatures that meet you when you know you you, you smoke DMT or you, you you know you first ingest the medicine and yet it's funny how the you know there's so many conversations about what these beings are and yet to me it's not it's almost like this light show the medicines telling you I'm here wake up
1: yeah
0: because I don't think it's really the important part of what's happening with the medicine like after an hour of this it dies down a bit and then that's when the big work starts getting done however the 10 minutes that you're normally smoking dmt and you come back round, it, it it's it's fine okay you're back on earth and within 20 minutes, you can go back to work or drive a car or whatever you're doing. Like you know, it's out your system so quickly. Your body breaks down DMT. And it's worth noting for anyone that doesn't know that DMT is found in many, many living things, many plants. Um, we believe it's in our pineal gland. We believe it's in our lungs. It's been found within animals. So you know, why do we carry this? thing around with us you know it's also a class a drug which means that we're always in possession of a class a drug (laughs) all right but it's theorized that it could be a lot to do with dreaming yeah you know it's in our pineal gland it gets released upon dreaming it's also believed that it's the thing that takes us in and out of life you know it's it's it's, it's it's flooded uh, into our brain when we're born and it's flooded into our brain when we die. Yeah,
1: that's why a lot of people hallucinate when they're when they're
0: dying, not Well if you look that's at if, if you listen to like people that have had NDEs, um near death experiences, uh there was an interesting um I saw a documentary on Netflix called After After Death or Beyond Death or After Life or something. Not the Ricky Gervais thing, but um it's out there, and anyway, none of it talks about DMT. Yep. But that people talk in the first episode or so, they, um, they talk about near death experiences, and everyone that's having these experiences, you know, it, to me, they're just talking about DMT. It's amazing how, like, you know, a documentary that has a certain narrative around, you know, near death experience, can sound so much like someone talking about their DMT trip. Yeah. So, given that we talk about DMT being released in the brain or flooding the brain when we die, then there might be some significance there because there's so so many reports, and I think even you know I've I've seen a few people, uh, doctors, um, people that study this, bring the two similarities together anyway. Anyhow, you when you smoke it, it lasts in your body for about ten minutes because your body starts breaking it down and that's why you can go back to work or do what you're doing because it doesn't have you know the, the after effect yep. it's literally it's out of your body within 10 15 minutes now if you have it as ayahuasca what ayahuasca does, it takes it's a, a combination of at least two plants one is a DMT containing plant and the other is um, the ayahuasca vine, which has a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. Now, monoamine oxidase is uh, like um, oh, I can't even think of the word. It, it, it's it's within our stomachs. So if you if we ate anything with DMT in it, like acacia trees mm-hmm. are high in um, DMT, if we had anything with that, instantly this monoamine oxidase breaks it down. So yeah, we wouldn't enzyme. get high. Okay but if you have the inhibitor yep. which is what the ayahuasca vine is it block the it blocks enzyme it. from breaking it down exactly yeah. enzymes the word so we're in a situation now where we drink the medicine and now we've got about 6 hours that we can work with the DMT 6 hours 6 hours so here's my thing my first time doing ayahuasca was like i was so excited i knew all these entities we you know we're old friends we've been meeting each other in this spirit realm for ages and yet after 10 minutes i'm like okay this is longer than i've been with these guys and things are just starting to turn ugly and and it was the medicine took a real turn it things you know faces became more aggressive things just became more sinister and i was like oh fuck <laughs> fuck <laughs> <laughs> this you know they, they were all being friendly at the start <laughs> I thought we were mates, and the ikaros, the shaman singing the ikaros. It's in- interesting. The ikaros, the music is so it's such a part of the ceremony that it evokes the the, the energy of the medicine. This uh, mother ayahuasca, the spirit of the medicine. It's um, we call it mother ayahuasca or grandmother medicine because it it does feel. Like it's uh, a wise old woman, your grandmother. Someone that can love you, but also kick your ass when you need it. And, yeah, everything changed. The energy changed. The Inca Rose became more and more repetitive and slightly aggressive. So, it was the right there that the medicine to me just said right we're going to get this out of you that this addiction that's been inside you for 20 25 years or so you know it was it went I, I went on a real big purge so you got your little sick bowl with you yes. your purge bowl your bucket and that was it I just purged hard and hard and it was all coming out and you know, it was only kind of the, the medicine and some water that you, you ingested. You you have a dieta for, um, uh, for a week or two leading up to it. So there's a lot of things you can and can't eat. And you definitely fast for you know about 24 hours before doing it. So there wasn't much coming up, but the, you know, the retching, yeah. in this bowl and constantly just like you know bringing some kind of liquid up. But then it felt like the purge was coming from my legs as well. It felt like whatever was trapped inside me was trapped in my legs, in my arms. Like, you know, it, it. the visions were intense. The purge was intense and it felt like an exorcism. And I was like, fuck, I want this to stop. And we're only like 20 minutes into it at this point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell and you ain't getting off this right oh man you know I'm a big guy and I was fucking terrified uh, and I'm a big guy that's used to psychedelics and yep. yet I was fucking terrified and um, they always say the medicine gives you what you need yep. and I was terrified because it really had to shock me into saying you're not going to drink anymore I was taken to hell i watched myself die a thousand deaths over and over again you know layers of skin peeling back and being reborn and dying and this kind of went on for you know quite a while and then i ended up in like the fetal position in hell now i'm not a religious person i'm certainly not a christian in any way i'm spiritual but you know this image this kind of christian image of hell and the devil and demons around me that, you know, I saw that and myself in the, on the floor <laughs> in the fetal position while I was being judged. And it was fucking terrifying. Like, you know, I can't describe it. Until such time as I just went, oh, right, I'm not drinking again. And then the energy changed. Like, it just went, OK. And it almost like picked me up and cradled me. And you know, brought me back. By this point, the shaman had stopped to the Icaros. He'd put on some nice kind of spa music. You know, just <laughs> just pan pipes and synths and stuff. It, it was nice. And you know, I, I was kind of hugging my pillow and like just fuck. I don't know how long I'd been in the medicine, but I was just really grateful
1: to be alive. <laughs> I was grateful. Plushcare.com weight loss.
0: The medicine was like, you know, being gentle with me now. And, you know, I was liking it. And that went on for, you know, a few more minutes or so. And then the music stopped and the shakapa started again. And the shaman was like, you know, coming up with another ikaro and fucking I was taken back to hell again. And I was like, no, I was in a good place. Stop. And, you know, that happened a few times during the evening. Uh, until it was really out of me it it was completely gone whatever was gone the next day i felt ethereal i felt light i'd felt i'd been completely cleansed of this darkness that was inside of me it was fucking incredible but it was also i it it just felt like a a chance to start again it felt like a new um lease of life you know uh I never wanted to do it again i was like fucking absolutely terrified i was like i do not ever want to touch that medicine again but i think i'm done like I, you know I, I just felt different life yeah. felt different like the colors felt different you know i i was driving home the next day and someone cut me up and instead of like shouting at them i was just like oh it's fine you know life is fine this is all good um that's a brief a brief brief, overview of what happens but i will (laughs) say i mean i've drunk medicine many times since and um i also have the privilege now of serving medicine uh i went and started training under the shaman and uh i'm still training i'm still in about halfway through my four or five year course Mm -hmm. um but I'm also, you know, within a community where we hold ceremonies and um, I'm keeping a lot of it secret, you're not going to know. But, um, but, yeah, it's a real privilege to help other people on that journey. This medicine, this very sacred plant, uh, helped me. You know, it, it saved my life. Do you see what I mean? Um, yeah. And by going on this shamanic journey and studying... A range of not just kind of Peruvian or South American, uh, but also kind of Druidic, um, uh, Scandinavian and Northern European uh, core shamanism. It's it's helped me understand you know even more you know holding kind of mushroom ceremonies for myself, using indigenous mushrooms that grow in the wild here. It brought me closer to nature. It's brought me, it's just it's done so much, but it's also yeah, getting rid of alcohol and that kind of that dark uh, addiction out of me uh, has opened many doors for me now. Um, So it's a privilege to be able to like help people on that journey, whether they're going to sit with the medicine or you know just talk them through, (laughs) talk them through life. It feels like you go to the edge, you go right to the fucking edge of life itself, you look at death in the eye, and then you come back from that, and like many people that have had near-death experiences, their life is changed forever, and that's what the medicine has done for me, um, and does for many people. It just takes you right to the very edge, it shows you what life is, and it's not what we believe it is, do you know what I mean? Yeah. so yeah that's that's my journey that's psychedelic so that's that was the the big one.
1: Um yeah, I mean it's it's it has my attention um quite a lot. And like I guess like you um I sort of you know starting off gently. Yeah. Um you know I um did a ceremony with you um yeah. what are we now. So it's coming up to 2 years ago now. Hmm. Um, you know, which for me was actually the first time I'd ever taken any mushrooms because yeah. I'd never, I you know, I think the worst drug I had ever done was obviously cocaine. But you know, it was all when I was younger. It was it wasn't mushrooms; it was weed. Yeah, you know, and that that was it really—weed and alcohol—and that was all you did. Um, I kind of had the luxury of of going through most of my chef career with having. Little to no interest in any of that whatsoever. Yeah. I just liked getting drunk. Yeah, you know, um, which I did often. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when, when you know that that afternoon, you know, doing that that with you for for me, the experience that I had was so different to what I was expecting. You know, there was a few of us in the room and we were all doing it together. Um, and I think you know, having conversations with you quite often about it, leading up to it, um, I had a I had a very calm approach to it all, you know, no fear whatsoever, um, and it really did have a huge, huge impact. I mean, you know, I, I was uh, not necessarily lots of colours, but I had a lot of fluid mo- you know, movement. I was, I felt like I was on a raft, and I was being guided. And I and I had options to make decisions in which sort of direction that the the raft was going, and you know there was lots of Cambodian temples and you know sort of those that old style
0: Buddhist monk temples. It was interesting because they were Thai mushrooms, yeah. And I was talking to someone the other day about it that um, there was a bit more of a backstory to that actual ceremony, but, <laughs> yeah. um, where I'd got the mushrooms mixed up, and we ended up having the Thai ones. Versus the golden teachers, but the golden teachers are like, listen, the industry standard of, um you know, ceremonies. Yep. You know, they're very safe. They're called teachers because they give us these insights and, um you know, they're a very, very beautiful medicine. Whereas the Thai ones, they're a bit stronger and they're a new strain that I just happened to be growing. I don't grow anymore, by the way, but um, uh, <laughs> I was growing them, I was excited. Uh, but they were they were slightly um, stronger and what was really interesting is how once we were in them everything felt like yeah it could have been Thai or Cambodian or it had like these the edges of things it's it's almost like psychedelics these medicines have what's the best way of describing it when we think about architecture and yep. we think about art, mandalas and stuff, mandalas haven't happened naturally. That is a fucking DMT trip. Oh yeah, Do you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think so much architecture, so much of, kind of this sacred
1: art and stuff that's out there. It's, look at all it's, of the Gaudi stuff in Barcelona, you're telling me yeah. that somebody came up with the yeah. concept it's, of it's being a psychedelic. To make everything exactly. <laughs> but it's it's amazing
0: it's amazing how we get like we take from nature, we take from Uh, psychedelics Mm -hmm. and when you go and look at architecture around the world yeah like if you go to Japan there's so much of nature that you can see within architecture yeah do you see what I mean um and I think that's what I was getting with these psychedelics that they're Thai for a reason not only do they grow in Thailand but they also look like some of the temples
1: yeah as you're saying you know yeah and I think it was I mean even to the point that the um the kind of face of the figure that I had, you know, sort of resting over my shoulder, helping me make decisions was, you know, was what you can, weirdly easiest way of describing it is kind of like that sort of um, anime female face. Right. Yeah. You know, that sort of not Japanese, but Japanese and, you know, yeah. kind of a mixture of of, of all Asian. Um, and, and it was... You know, there was no no speech. There was nothing. There was just like this very calming, yeah, yeah. face guiding. Um, you know, and I went. You know, I, I don't know e- easily, for three months without basically losing my temper after that. You know, mm. an- anxiety was non-existent. No depressive feelings. No, uh, for me, no dissociative episodes. Um, not even minor ones where, you know, because sometimes I, I have them at work, I'll do a service and I don't remember the service, but um, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's, it was so remarkable. And then obviously I, I then sort of you know, started microdosing on low doses as well yeah. And, um, every other day. And, and it just, you know, it helped, it helped so much. I, I genuinely believe that I would not have handled, um, you know, my, handled my dad's death, in the manner that I did if I wasn't in such a good mental state with these things Mm. Um, that isn't to say that you know all of the grief and bits and pieces that have come from it you know would be washed away by having a a new ceremony but Mm. it had such a huge calming influence on what is a very 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 hectic ADHD brain yeah you know and and you know the the microdosing helped with focus for so much. You know, and and I haven't done it for a while. So for me, I'm, I'm noticing. I'm very aware of the huge change in doing it and not doing it.
0: This is what I say to people: is that you know, with, with microdosing, we find ourselves wanting like yeah, it's like CBD when you take CBD, you, you want instant results. Yep. Yeah. And I've said to people with microdosing, it's just like don't look for instant results, but after two, three weeks of doing it, you'll just notice things have changed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But what I find that people notice more is when they stop doing it, the stuff comes back quicker. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Now you don't want to be in a trap where you're constantly having to you know, microdose or do stuff for the rest of your life. Yeah. But it's then then you don't notice the effects of the medicine, it's very subtle, but when, as soon as you stop, it comes back quicker. That's that, that's how I tend to notice it, and um, and it's interesting as well because you know there is science behind microdosing, a lot more people talking about it, but then there's other people that say look, you know actually macrodosing, you know having a ceremony yep. once every three months or so is arguably better than microdosing. Yeah, so. That's something I know that I I mean. I stopped microdosing really. I don't. I I go through waves of doing it, but more just to feel it out with myself. But I will take ceremony regularly, yeah. And when I say regularly, three, four, five times a year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that probably won't ever stop because it's not just even about the ceremonies for me. It's it's about the community. It's about um, it's a little check in. It's it's my church do you know what I mean yeah, it's yeah. it's going to check in with spirit with nature with community there's so much good that comes from it and you know yeah, yeah every time it's about finding another layer digging another layer down to of self-improvement and you know how can I be better for other people how can I be up be better for the planet for myself you know um so I would hope that even as an old man, I'd still be going and taking ceremony.
2: Yeah, I, I
1: can imagine that you. Of you some will point. actually, yeah. <laughs> and then, but I think it's it's interesting because I was, you know, sort of alluding slightly to the you know, noticing. It's exactly the same. Like how you described it is exactly the same with anything that I believe is good for you. You know, um, if you're if you're taking um, you know any form of supplement or medication. And you're taking it for a, a period of time, you only notice that it's not working when you stop taking it. Yeah. Um, and it's exactly the same with these things. But it's like, because you've, you know, because you used a plant medicine to get rid of the, you know, this other drugs, the addictions, mm. these things. I wonder whether, again, it's a, it's a men- mentality thing, but whether it then becomes an over reliance. Well, this is, again, what I say as well about the kind of microdosing
0: with people, is that you don't want to have to do that for the rest of your life. And, you know, medicine ceremonies, you've got to integrate afterwards. You've got to make sure that you're doing the work afterwards. Particularly with ayahuasca, that, you know, mother ayahuasca is only going to do 50% of the work. You've got to do the other 50%. -hmm so if you're not integrating it if you're not putting these things into practice when you come out then you're going to keep going back to her saying well it didn't work last time it's like well yeah because yeah. you're not doing the we work do it, so yeah. and the reason I say I would continuously go is because yeah I do the most of the work it's homework I do most of it and I know I go back to check in to see if I've you know where I'm at where's my progress or is there something new that I can do better so there, there's that side of it But, yeah, I don't think you want to be... You don't want to be reliant on anything. You want to... I think what microdosing does, or mushrooms are good at doing, is it opens up space. Like, you know, I know of people that have been on SSRIs, you know, antidepressants, and they've moved over to um, microdosing. And at the start, they're doing it as they find their way. Um, You know, they're microdosing every day until they're in a space where they can do it. Like one day on two days off that kind of thing um and then it's it's supporting them it's giving them more clarity than SSRIs it's it's helping them but what you've got to do while you're being supported by these medicines is then bring in all you know other pillars and other things in your life that help you do you know what I mean yeah. you're not when I say about me going through the depression in 2016 and and microdosing it was part of the support network. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say that it was the only thing that cured me because it wasn't. I was doing so much, but I'd like to think that they held me in a safe space while I managed to, you know, do other things. And that's what I would say with anyone doing plant medicines: is that you're not going there to cure yourself. And even my first ayahuasca thing, while it was, you know, a big cure for me okay it's reframed my relationship with alcohol i can have a sip of alcohol now i think i've said this before you know i have no interest in taking it further than that i'd like to have a beer with my dad and leave it at that and i do and sometimes i don't even get through the whole pint yeah it's changed my relationship now that was 12 years of intention (laughs) yeah from the moment i read about it or watched the program about it to having my first ceremony A lot of time had passed and I knew exactly what I was going into that ceremony for. I've been into other ceremonies where I don't really have an intention. And then I've come out with not as much from it. You know, there are little bits and pieces. But why that was so um, profound and life-changing for me is because I'd set an intention many, many years ago. So I think, you know, it depends what you're going into the medicine with as to what you get out of it but also making sure that you're doing the work once you've come out of that you're integrating it
1: yeah i think uh, the good thing about you know sort of plant medicines anyways is quite often if you're if you're if you're on the hunt for them or, or rather you're starting to lean towards them as a as a focal point then you have the intention Really, to do it. I mean, I know a lot of people. When, when we were talking about uh, DMT years ago, there was a lot of people that started getting all of the vape pens and thinking it's fucking cool and doing it for for that kind of let's get off on a high reason rather than a, a purposeful reason. And you know, there's no different to a lot of people that you know we're always like, oh, just grab a handful of mushrooms and just take a handful of mushrooms. Yeah. It's cool. Like, and that, I've been that person. Yeah. I mean, I've, when I first started smoking DMT,
0: I was like fucking. You know, this I'd heard amazing. Mike Tyson and <laughs> Michael Polan and Joe Rogan, a lot of people talking about, like, again, it's the entities. It's all the things you see the other side yeah. and you're you're curious. So, you know, I'd break through, like, we call them breakthrough experiences because you can smoke and get, like, the, the high, but then you can have these kind of, like, completely out-of-world experiences. So I'd do that three or four times a night every night for weeks yeah because i was just fascinated but what the fuck like do you know what i mean it was you know you forgot that you were a human being and i've had this in the ayahuasca ceremonies as well where it's you have a spiritual experience where you forget that you're a human being that you have a body that you've got to go back to something like i've met my grandparents i got to hug them you know, I, I, I know I've said before that I grew up with all my grandparents, so not seeing them for years and then seeing all four of them in, like, ceremony and being able to, in spirit form, hug them and yeah. communicate. And then I found it really difficult that I was like, oh, wait, you've got to go back to the body. What body? Well, that fucking guy. I've got to go back there. Yeah. This fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking... <laughs> You know, I couldn't, I couldn't make out that I was a human being. I was like living my best life in spirit form, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that happens in ceremonies sometimes, and uh, it certainly happened in with DMT because, like, it's so fast and otherworldly that um, you know people have these experiences, and I guess that's why you know Joe Rogan and the guys they talk about that so much. But you know, as I said earlier. I don't think that's the main part of the medicine. It certainly isn't with ayahuasca because when that light show is over, then it's really you and the deepest, darkest parts of your brain kind of unpacking itself and making sense of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what really for me where the work is. Also, like you know, when you finish smoking DMT, I, I always call it the afterglow. It's the, it's the. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes afterwards where you're just coming back to Earth and the medicine's wearing off. But I get floods of ideas and things that just... I mean, I think that's where Acme came from, actually. Well, I know it is. Acme came from this kind of, like, you know, coming out of a, a DMT trip. But, you know, just... You get really creative and... or it's where the best work gets done i yep. think not not the light show i think the light show is just really the wet medicine waking you up yep. yeah yeah <laughs> but you know mushrooms are the same I, I always think you know you get these amazing kind of mandala and this sacred geometry that you see on some mushroom. Not, not everything is is visual some are not as visual as others but you get all this amazing kind of stuff that's happening and these ever-changing shapes and you're like well is my mind making this up but i often think it's the language of the plants like i feel so connected to nature i feel that you know if the, if this um if like dmt is in all plants and stuff or in most plants maybe there's it's the it's the um it's the way they communicate it's you, because you just feel so connected to nature when you're on psychedelics you feel like you can speak with the planet, you can speak with the plants, and why people end up having these like you know experiences where as soon as they're back on planet Earth, they then want to go vegetarian or they want to save the planet, they want to do all these kind of you know uh, things, environmental things, and help. And you actually, I, I feel you get that quite often with ayahuasca. Um, I know it always feels like you're going in there to heal yourself but the, the medicine's like okay we'll talk about that in a minute but first we need to address this so it's almost like you're entering a pact yeah. with the medicine to say look if i help you with your stuff you got to help me with the planet because it's fucked and it needs your help and it you know there's, a, there's another theory as to why the medicines left why the medicine left the jungle and why you know there's shaman around the world now uh, from kind of you know huni quinn tribes uh you know, I can't think of, I can't think of all the tribes now that but some of the key tribes in kind of Brazil and, and Peru that are coming out and serving medicine around the world or people look you know people from the West are going down there to train and bringing that back and um, you know people like myself are in a position of you know holding space with others and um, I think it really is because it's it's these the, the psychedelics are part of not the full solution, but part of the solution as to how we might be able to heal ourselves and heal the planet. Yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. I'd have to agree.
0: Yeah. I could talk about it forever. You know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Forever.
0: But, um, yeah, I, I think I, I, here's a sign off because I don't, these are my journey. Like psychedelics are not for everyone. All right. They're not, and even like with yourself, I know we've had to we, we've had to work very carefully about what you yeah. you know, go through with your dissociative episodes and ADHD. Like you know, mental health, certain mental health issues, a lot of people won't work with them because it's just dangerous. It's, so I'm not saying that psychedelics suffer everyone. They're definitely not. They've worked for me. They continue to work for me. I always, I will always talk to people about maybe, huh, rather, some people. I think when they, uh, whenever I'm mentoring or talking with people, some people uh, express interest, and I might say, "Yeah, I think you might be. I think they might do well for you." Um, I don't necessarily say that for everyone. I know some people definitely wouldn't be able to handle some of these, you know, intense trips. But I know when we've, you know, when you've had them uh, in a macro dose, it's just being very aware of not giving you too much. Yeah. (laughs) And making sure that you've got just enough to get you to where you need to be. I think I would worry if you were taking a big dose because that's enough to fucking, you know for anyone to kind of lose their mind really and you definitely don't want to be doing that no. but you uh, know I think as long as you can do it you set and set in uh, and making sure that there's someone that's there to help guide you uh, speak to a shaman speak to a space holder someone that can um, you know talk about if it's the right thing for you you know I think a lot of this medicine journey starts with a conversation
1: really do you yeah, know what it I mean does. it does you know and you know it's it's fascination which will lead to you know wanting to know a little bit more and then wanting to figure out whether you can do it and i yeah i would have to agree it's it's you know if if any of this actually genuinely interests people just have a chat about it with someone first
0: absolutely yeah there's a a lot of
1: people out there and the
0: narrative is changing um there's articles there's lots of things on youtube to watch
1: um big there's, things in australia to do with psychedelic work on on um depression and anxieties so
0: yeah yeah and, and nhs are doing it i mean yeah. there's there's some great documentaries that, um there's always you know you, you you'll see on a monthly basis now that there's an article being dropped in the newspapers about you know, research that's been done by um the nhs uh and it's encouraging my my only worry is that then they're going to take they're going to kind of synthesize psilocybin out of mushrooms Uh, you know the mushroom itself is a complete medicine it has everything and the moment these things start getting synthesized you're losing what's good about them and putting them into pill form so you can have the experience but without the the trip and uh, you know i worry that big pharma gets involved and you know these sacred plants still can't be used unless it goes through a doctor yeah. whereas you know for me the big part of it is the ceremony it's the preparation it's the ritual it's the integration afterwards and um i i do worry that's my only worry i think about the you know how the pharmaceuticals then take it away from what it is supposed to be the yeah. sacredness of it
1: yeah that is a good takeaway, really, because you're absolutely right. I think it, it. It. I guess that's the reason why uh, you know weed is still a Class B drug, because you know no matter how much research is out there on CBD and how good it is for you, for not you know not just your brain but for inflammation of the body, you know they give it to people to treat fucking cancer for good sake. You know, it, it's that will never be something that will be uh, legalized, no matter how good it is, because. Or, you know if you can make more money out of it in another way then that's what they're gonna mm. do so we will see we will well until next time cheers mate cheers mate